Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry. So this is Stuff You Should Know. And we're here to say that you can do it. You can do it. (laughs) You can accomplish those goals. You can get that Corvette. Shoot for the stars. Engage your passion. Ignite your fury. (laughs) Ignite your fury? Sure. That's my new one. I'm trying to get everybody mad. I want to go to your motivational seminar. Ignite your fury. It's called Igniting Fury with Josh Clark. That's pretty good. I know what Aaron Cooper's doing this week. (laughs) Uh, How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm feeling kind of pumped. Took some vitamin B12 today. I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, as you notice, I cut all that dumb hair off. Yeah, it looks good. I I I like it both ways. Yeah, Chuck 2.0 was. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, Chuck 2.0 got too hot. Is the real explanation? Oh yeah, that'll do it. And literally just drove to the place and said, "All right, take it off." I um. I my my as you know as well is has gotten kind of longish. Yeah. And I've got like that sixth grade skater cut tick <laughs> uh-huh. where like I'm like just kind of flipping it. Yeah, just just twisting my head suddenly to the side to get the the hair out of my face. Yeah, I think that was another reason I cut mine too was it was just it, there was too much focus on it. Uh personal focus because but, it was like from you you mean? Yeah, just like management and having to do things oh, to yeah. it and like yeah. get it right. And I was just like, I just, it's been so many years since I've had to focus on my hair. You had to go buy a whole new bottle of mane and tail. I just felt dumb, I think. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going, I'm going back to Chuck 1.0. Good for you, man. Yeah. And welcome back to Fight Club. Thank you. <laughs> Let me see your fingernails. <laughs> All right. Those look acceptable. What'd you think about this topic? I thought that I couldn't ever, I couldn't, that the end would never come. What, like researching it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we know how we both feel about this then. <laughs> it's not even, dude, I have to say, I got switched mid, mid-research. mid my, my The tone of my research changed uh-huh. because of Nancy Besser. Oh. Um, so... Here's the thing. This is my personal opinion. I'll give it at the front, and you can decide whether to listen to the rest of the episode or not. Okay. It's the motivational speaking is so uh, flimsy and jelly-like. Okay. The whole field is so unscientifically based and just so prone to hucksterism in a lot of cases. Yeah. That I, I just, I didn't even want to research it. I was just like, I hate this stuff so much. Um, and then partway, I was, do, but I was doing my due diligence. I'm a professional, as you know. Yes. But, um, partway through, I was, uh, reading the, in the How Stuff Works article about Nancy Besser. And so I went onto her site and did some more research on her. And I read her, I think like about me or her mission or something like that. And I was like, actually, that's, I I don't disagree with anything this lady just said. Yeah. Like, that's great. Good for her. Good for where she came from. Good for what she's trying to do. If she wants to make some money doing it, awesome. Yeah. So saying that, it definitely changed course. It pulled me back from the brink, which I think was really needed because I was really kind of like, I was crop circling it. You know what I mean? Yes. And um, she brought me back, and I appreciate that to her, and I'd like to uh, find out how I can mail her some money. <laughs> 
All right, you want to know my opinion? Let's, yeah. I like this. We're going to front load the opinions and then talk about them more all throughout. <laughs> um, my deal is this. If you have um, a really great story to tell about your life <clears throat> because maybe you overcome some great adversities, uh, maybe you're a quadriplegic or maybe you are a POW or had a, a life-threatening illness or if you had any general like – major life hardships that you overcame and are like killing it in life. And you have a great story to tell that is sincere and you can go up there and make some dough inspiring people. Then awesome. Yes. If you are just really good at holding a pep rally, um, and you (laughs) don't have any big story in your life other than the fact that you were like, Hey, I'm kind of good at this and I think I can make some dough. And I've met these celebrities. And I've met these famous people, and they think I'm cool. Um, I have two feelings about that. One is, if people are genuinely being helped, I'm not going to yuck their yum. Then that's great. I think that's good for you to say. But I look at that that other scene with a very wary eye um, because it reeks of everything from taking advantage of people to sometimes it even sounded like Scientology. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, religious overtones to the whole thing. Uh, in that it would be like, well, buy this book uh, and then buy this one and then come to this seminar and then buy this thing. And it it, ha- it had all the markings of like a pyramid scheme almost. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like you. I, I'm kind of all over the place with it. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of the deal with motivational speaking is it takes many, many forms from an inspirational person who has a great life story to someone who is just like, hey, I'm, I can hold a pep rally as good as the next guy. Right. I'll charge somebody three grand to listen to that to, hey, the, here's a financial seminar where you can get rich. Right. Just give us a bunch of money first. Yeah. So it's really all over the map um, because it's I mean, not that it should be regulated, but it's just such a it's kind of like the Wild West. As far as right. what you can be as a motivational speaker. Yeah. And, and I think also one of the reasons why it's tough for us to, to nail down our feelings about it one way or the other or why we have multiple feelings is because inherently there's nothing in and of itself wrong with making an effort to motivate other people to be a better version of themselves. Right. Yeah. But that can be that that neutral thing or maybe even positive thing, can be exploited depending on the context it's used in, right? Yeah. There's a really good example of that. There's a book called Who Moved My Cheese? And it's like 90 pages, big print, lots of illustrations. So it's a quick read. (laughs) I love the title. But the whole thing is there's there's a maze, and there used to be cheese in this one place, and these two humans, Ham and Haw, are just all up in arms that the, that their cheese isn't there anymore. What, what a tragedy. Who could have possibly done this? And then these two mice, I can't remember what the mice is, the, yeah, the mice is, I can't the remember the, what the mice, yeah, the mice, that's right. The mice's names are, but they see that their cheese is gone. They run off to find cheese elsewhere, right? So the, the mice are the heroes of the story where the humans are dumb. And it's because the humans are allowing themselves to become victims. Now, there's like some certain themes in there that's true. Like, yes, it, it's not necessarily a good idea to focus on 
you know, why this issue came about. Just solve the problem and move on. But Who Moved My Cheese is very commonly a book that's purchased by employers when they're going through a downsizing. And they're saying to, to their employers or their employees, like, hey, you need to give us a smile. Don't start asking why your job was downsized. Just read this book and, and try to be happy. Yeah. So this thing that could be good is being exploited in a, in a very negative manner yeah. um, to to exonerate people who are making decisions that are negatively impacting people's lives. There's a, there's that's there it is in a nutshell. There's the, the good and the bad. Yeah, I will say this. I like uh, fictional motivational speakers much more. Yeah, whether it was. Uh, Matt Foley, which is mentioned in this article, of course. Yeah, of course. Great Chris Farley character. He gets three paragraphs. Yeah, those, that was overdoing it a bit. <laughs> but definitely one of the, the more classic SNL characters. Um, my other favorite is uh, from Magnolia, Frank T.J. Mackey, the Tom Cruise oh, character. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> one of Tom Cruise's best characters. Yeah. Uh, and I think so ironic that he played that character in yeah. many ways. I almost get the impression that it was like... Um, who who directed that? Was it Paul Thomas Anderson? Yeah. That in a way, casting Cruz was toying with him a little bit. Or Paul Thomas Anderson wanted him to face him himself. Maybe. Or maybe he gave him the script and like literally every day on set after he finished, Cruz would look around and say, are you making fun of me here? You're not making fun of me, right? They go, <laughs> right. no, 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 Tom, it's terrific. You're the best, Tom. All right. You're not making fun of me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, that, that character was specifically about, uh, uh, picking up women in bars and having sex with them. So yeah, basically that was sort of a different type of thing, but it was motivational. It was, uh, so we mentioned different kinds of people who do this. Um, there are people like Matt Long who, uh, is a motivational speaker because he had a 20 ton bus hit him, uh, while he was on a bicycle. Uh, was in the hospital for five months, had about 40 operations, and then finally overcame that to run the New York City Marathon. So people like that you will often see that have an amazing hardship, like I said, that they have overcome and maybe did like a small speaking engagement and said, you know, people really connected to this, and I think I really helped folks. Um, so can I sign up with a company that's going to book gigs for me? Right. And I can make some real dough. And you, you really can. I mean, like there's, there's, there are people out there who support themselves just from motivational speaking. I think there's probably far more who aspire to that. Um, but, but it is entirely possible to become a motivational speaker with representation and, and that's how you make your living. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show, but stuff you should know. We actually, we actually, don't do motivational gigs, but we've done some corporate speaking on occasion. We have specifically told the people who are um, agents or booking it that we are not motivational speakers. Correct. Never to book us as such. And because... that we are not experts, but we're glad to come talk to your company, by the way. <laughs> yeah. How about that? I mean, you just you just let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> you changed our lives for the better, Chuck. Uh, but long story short, we have, because of this, we have talked and spoken with a number of agencies and representatives who act as the liaison between a company or a corporation or a group and the speaker. And so we've kind of got a little bit of an inside view on kind of what this public professional public speaking is all about. Right. And one of the things that uh, 
I mean, we kind of do our thing and we're not the best. Um, we're not the best for people to sell because we're not like we can do this and we're vivacious and we have get up on stage and just rally people. We're kind of yeah. like, well, we kind of do one thing. So if you want us to do that, we can do it. <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of a narrower field, but it's niche. It is very niche. But if you do want to, if you think you have a neck and this one woman in here, uh, who was the one that said that she was always sort of the cheerleader in her group? Nancy Besser. Was that Besser? Yes. Yeah. She was like, I kind of always was just this person in life. And my friends, I would motivate my friends and my family and stuff. So if you have that kind of vivacious personality and you can get up on stage in front of people and you have a good story to tell that's um, sincere, then it might be something that you should look into. Right. That's another reason why I like Nancy Besser, too. She's the only one in this article who admits that, yeah, anybody can do it. It's just it's a it's a certain type of um, skill set, but not something you would have to be born with. Like anybody right. can figure it out. Well, and I think a lot of professional motivational speakers would probably be like, no, 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 this is not for you. Well, yeah, Matt Long, the elite athlete, um, says like, no, no, not everybody could do it. Oh, he did. So, yeah, he he said, well, if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. So no. That was his answer to can anybody do it? I think it, we like I, I would say my sense of humor, especially as stuff you should know goes, is pretty self-deprecating. Sure. But I say this totally honestly, that if we can do it, we're proof that anybody can do this. Oh, yeah. We didn't have any experience getting on stage in front of people. No, right. Like we learned it. Again, we're not up there doing motivational speaking, no. but we're up there doing public speaking in front of groups who don't know us. And that, that's the key. Now, the next level, of course, is whether you can arouse uh, positive emotions in the people out there, you know, listening to you. Um, and that that, I think, takes a decent amount of practice. But there are techniques and there are methods that you can figure out and all you have to do is a little bit of research. All you would have to, to research really is if you look up like how to be a motivational speaker, yeah. that is going to lead you to heartache. But if you look up sensible things like how do you motivate people? Um, how do you give a dynamite presentation? All of these things, it's all the same stuff. It's just the, the thing that makes motivational speaking different is the through line is inspiration. You have an inspirational story. You're, you're telling people that they can, they can have a better life themselves, that it's in there in them. That's, that's really the big difference between motivational speaking and any other type of public speaking. Yeah. I wonder if that guy who said that, um, wonder if in his thing, he goes, you know, you can come over any adversity. Except public speaking, uh, motivational speaking. Like, <laughs> right. don't, don't try that. Right. <laughs> Any, anything else you could probably do, though. The competition is thick <laughs> enough. All right. Well, let's take a break here. It was a good start. Oh, okay. Good. And uh, we will motivate you to come back and listen more right after this. Psychology-wise, people have been um, psychologists have been studying motivation for for many many years, um, and what motivates people. And there's a dude, 
named Abraham Harold Maslow. And in the 1940s, he came up with something, uh, a little a little pyramid called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, mm-hmm. which is fairly interesting if you look at it. It is uh, it's a pyramid. We're down at the bottom. I think it's been revised over the years. No, that's the food pyramid you're thinking of. <laughs> no, this has been revised a little bit. Yeah, okay. Uh, at the bottom, it, there are one, two, three, four, five levels, and at the bottom. You have physiological needs like food and water, and shelter, shelter, warmth. Uh, right above that, you have safety needs, um, security and safety in life. Above that, you have belongingness and love, uh, which are friends and intimates. Esteem goes above that, prestige, feeling of accomplishment. And then finally, at the very top of the pyramid, um, people should stop using pyramids because that's just got a bad name now. <laughs> um, achieving one's full potential or self-actualization. Right. And so the idea is that you've divided these needs up into groups where once you have fulfilled these basic needs, you will become stronger and you will uh, basically satisfy those lower, called lower level deficit needs, and then you can progress onto these higher needs until you reach that final level, uh, self-actualization. Right. You, I mean, you can take issue and people have with Maslow's hierarchy, like the for sure. it, a literal reading of it would say that homeless people couldn't are incapable of having friendships or caring about one another because yeah. they're lacking in a lower need, which is shelter and housing. Um, but the, overall, it does seem to be pretty widely, widely regarded, well regarded. Yeah, um, but most like it doesn't take into account social factors. Um, it, it sounds, let's put it this way. It sounds like something developed in the 1940s. Right. Yeah. And, and it's pretty, it's pretty elementary it, and it does, it's not very complex, but it has formed the basis of, um, a lot of psychology. For sure. It, it, like it is pretty much the standard for motivational theory from what I understand. Yeah. And um, it definitely forms a lot of the basis for motivational speaking in the motivational speaking industry yeah. and, and the the um, crux of what motivational speakers base their motivation on. Right. So, like you said, you have this Maslow's theory, but um, regarded well or not, it's been around for a long time and is the basis for how to motivate people and people – Speakers use this in their own way. They have their own take on how they want to use it or whether they use it. And in Besser's case, um, she actually went to school. She she went to graduate school and studied uh, conflict resolution and emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. which I think um, gives her a leg up at, at, as far as being schooled, at least, in things. Uh, she talks about how empathy is very important, and she's at least studied on it, you know? Right. Which is more than you can say for a lot of them. <laughs> did you you interviewed Tony Robbins at one point for us for our blog? I did. You remember I that? I did. Yeah. I mean, that so was like three, he, seven years ago. I was part of. I don't know. There were like four or five other people on the phone. It was like a conference interview. That we um, were. But I mean, let's be honest. We were made to do this. Yes, very much so. <laughs> it was know? in the evening. Um, it was. Uh, there was something else going on. I think a birthday party. I had to step away from. Oh. Um. But it was right before his TV show uh, Breakthrough with Tony Robbins came uh-huh. out. And I, do you remember that show? I do. 
uh, very short lived. Like it was, yeah, it was extremely short lived, but it, it was, they were selling like Super Bowl, um, sized or Super Bowl price commercials for that thing. Yeah. Like that's how much those, the ad spots were going for on this. It was a huge event and it flopped very quickly, which I think surprised everybody because Tony Robbins is, he's huge, man. He's enormous. Yeah, one of the stats, the four million people he reaches from a hundred countries, uh, has a net worth of about four hundred and eighty million dollars through his books and speeches and services. Yeah, and he's been at it for a very long time. A lot of people think that he started the um, the uh, motivational speaking industry. He definitely did not. I read a, a pretty interesting article that suggested that Ralph Waldo Emerson was America's first motivational Whoa. speaker. Really. Could make sense. I've seen it go back even further than that. There's a lady named Mary Baker Eddy who ended up founding the uh, Christian Science, I guess, church. Yeah, I've heard of her. She got together with a guy named Phineas Parkhurst Quimby. If that's not a mid-19th century (laughs) name, I don't know what is, right? Yeah, or a new hipster Brooklyn kid's name. Yes, it is now. Yeah. Um, And there's uh, they they came together and created what's known as the New Thought Movement, which is basically – said that if you think positively, good things will happen, which now this yeah. is such a widespread thought. And it's it forms such it, that forms as much the basis of motivational speaking as Maslow's hierarchy. The idea that if you think positively, you're going to have an actual effect on fate, on destiny, on the universe, on on your your own future. Right. But. That makes zero sense whatsoever logically, and it, it it finds its its roots back in this these two these two people coming together. So that actually probably was the basis of the motivational speaking industry, and it it, it continued on here. Or there, there were some luminaries that pop up between uh, the New Thought movement and Tony Robbins. Yeah, you've got like Dale Carnegie who wrote How to um, Make Friends and Influence People. Oh yeah. One of the greatest selling self-help books of all time and really introduced the concept of self-help to the masses. Dale Carnegie did. He was an interesting dude. And then you've got guys like Napoleon Hill who wrote Think and Grow Rich, I believe. (laughs) That Uh, sounds like something on The Simpsons, like a fake self-help book. it, It really was. And there's actually, Chuck, a really good article on Gizmodo called The Untold Story of Napoleon Hill, the greatest self-help scammer of all time. (laughs) And you know how you like those long form articles? This one's long as it gets, right? It's basically like a mini book. So the mid 20th century, you got people popping up. And then, then 1988, a young man named Anthony Robbins created an infomercial for his personal power program. Yeah. Remember that infomercial? I do, and I, I looked into a little bit because I realized I was like, I don't even know his deal. Like, what was? Uh, well, I know he wasn't a POW. Um, like, I wondered what his story was. <laughs> You're like, okay, check that box <laughs> off. Um, and from what I could find, and I <clears throat> didn't do a deep dive, but from what I could find, he worked for a motivational speaker, mm-hmm. and I think was just like, hey, I can do this. Yeah, is that the deal? Yes. Okay. From what I understand, and, and he was absolutely right. He did it. He he, He's a cottage industry unto himself, Tony right. Robbins. Is. Oh, for sure. That personal power infomercial, by the way, in the first three years that it was out, 100 million people saw it in wow. America alone. Yeah. So he became like a juggernaut. He became a pop culture thing. Remember he was in Shallow Hal? 
Oh, yeah. He's actually the MacGuffin for the whole movie. Meeting Tony Robbins in an elevator is what sets like the whole plot of the movie off. Isn't that what a MacGuffin is? Uh, I don't. I don't remember seeing that movie. To be honest, I know the movie, but I don't think I saw it. But no, as far as film industry parlance goes, a MacGuffin is the thing that helps the the plot along, right? Yeah, a MacGuffin is uh, something in the movie, a device or something that triggers the plot. So I think in that case, you're correct. Okay, I'm using it correctly. By goodness, yes. So, um, Tony Robbins. So by the time he came out with his show Breakthrough in 2010. Um, everybody just assumed it would be huge and it, it was not for some reason. I still don't understand why, but if you watch that first episode, it's basically him going around and motivating people who have like enormous challenges up against them. And the first episode still to this day, I just kind of am like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they did this. They, he went and met up with a guy who was, a uh, Quadri- who uh, was quadri- quadriplegic, I believe. And he had become quadriplegic after jumping headfirst into a swimming pool, I think at his wedding reception, um, and, par- and became paralyzed. And I, uh, you know, obviously quite depressed as a result and was had lost his job. And his life had really just taken a huge turn downward. And Tony Robbins showed up to help the guy. And he wanted to help him by inspiring him. And the way that he inspired him was to take him up in an airplane and push him out. Oh, that's right. Do you remember he pushed a man, yeah. a quadriplegic man out of an airplane with that. a parachute on and said like skydive or something like that. <laughs> it was one of the craziest things anyone's ever done on TV. And I'm including up to present day. <laughs> yeah. So, so breakthrough with Tony Robbins flop, but that was probably just like a blip on that dude's radar. It did nothing to his personal brand as far as dragging it down. No. Um, and I don't want to like sound like I'm bashing the guy because, uh, you know, he helps a lot of people that buy into it and, uh, apparently is very philanthropic, uh, in many yeah. ways. So that's good, right? Sure, of course. <laughs> um, but he also, um, is a firewalker. This is something I did not know. Uh, in his Unleash the Power Within program that he does live, he gets thousands of people to walk across hot coals. He's got an Oprah Winfrey to walk across hot coals. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, firewalking's, <laughs> it's, it's a real thing. Um, if you look at it scientifically, what's going on is, is, uh, coals are not a very, a uh, good conductor of heat. Right. So it takes about a second to actually feel that heat. And if you walk at a good clip, it's about a half a second. So what you're doing is not really, and I don't think he's saying there's some danger you're overcoming. I think in his case, it's you're overcoming a fear and taking part in a group activity. And that's where the benefit is, uh, is like staring at those coals and doing it. I don't think he's saying, like, look, it's magic uh, because of me. You're not uh, getting burned. I don't know. I think the, what he's, the premise of his firewalking thing in, at these conferences is to show people that they can overcome even physical problems like f- hot coals on their feet by using their mind. Oh, I, I thought it was I, a little more like the, the fear. Okay. No, I think in reality that's what's going on. But I, I believe, from what I understand – that it's being presented that you can say something like yes or cool moss 
<laughs> and you're using your mind to overcome the dilemma of the hot posed by the hot coals on your feet. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> right. Uh, it all kind of went wrong in Dallas though. In 2016, uh, there was an event there where, um, 30 to 40 people were evaluated. I think five people were taken to the hospital with burn mm-hmm. injuries. And, um, his spokesperson, uh, Jennifer Connolly said, you know what? Only five people out of 7,000 requested examination beyond what we had on site to examine people. And, you know, everyone had a great time, basically. <laughs> I, I have to say, statistically speaking, she makes an excellent point. Well, sure. And there's actually somebody in this article. Um, oh, what's her name? Weisman. Uh, Irene attorney. Weisman. Yeah. yeah. Who really kind of put it. Well, she seems to be somebody who goes to these things to goes to she goes. She definitely goes to Robin's conferences. Um, but she also seems to understand what's going on at them rather than like maybe buying into them lock, stock and barrel. Right. And from what I've seen, someone like her, someone who approaches a motivational speaking conference w- with her own set of judgments and values about it and is able to take that message and adjust it so that it works for her rather than trying to take everything from the person wholesale and putting it on to you so that you're basically magically changed. Those people have the greatest greatest chance of succeeding um, at whatever they're being motivated to do. Yeah. But she, she basically, she puts the firewalk like this. She was saying like the real magic is that there were 10,500 people waiting their turn to walk over these coals. Sure. And everyone was exuberant and calm and happy. Nobody was irritated or, you know, um, like hurry up or anything like that. It was a, a neat communal feeling waiting in line to go do the fire, the firewalk. And she, she did the firewalk. She said it was cool or whatever. Um, but it was more about the camaraderie in the community that developed in line waiting for the firewalk for yeah, her. It's a pep rally. <clears throat> it definitely is. And I, I think if you ask Tony Robbins, maybe he'll come on to the show and, and talk to us about it sometime. Okay. <laughs> if you ask Tony Robbins, I would guess that he would concede uh, that, yes, you could interpret his conferences as a pep rally. Oh, I bet he concedes nothing. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I want to say something, Chuck. Okay. I hold the skeptic community to account for not giving more ink to motivational, the motivational speaking industry. Yeah, I didn't see a lot, and I specifically looked at from skeptic uh, sites. Yep, me too. And it's almost not there. So that that says two things: one, that skeptics either think that it is fine, right. That's mm-hmm. one. Or they think it's so ridiculous that it's not even worth writing about, <laughs> which I don't think that's the case because skeptics write about some pretty ridiculous stuff. Well, I looked at this one article. I don't know if you saw it from the guy who walked out of a conference, a Tony Robbins conference. Uh-huh. Did you see that one? No, I didn't. Um, this guy was, by all accounts, from what he said, someone who should be into it. He's like, I wasn't there to bust him. I'm not a skeptic. He's like, I... Uh, have read some of his books. I'm a fan. Like I'm into it. Uh, and he walked out and he just had a very, like just a very leveled critical eye on the presentation. Not like this guy's this and this. He was just like, you know what? He repeated himself too much and he name dropped too much. And, um, 
he kind of had some bad segues that and non sequiturs and he just looked at it sort of from a critical eye of a public speaker and was kind of like this he's he's kind of phoning it in these days so it was oh it was tony robbins himself that he walked out on yeah and he was just like i you know i left he said i, huh. I just found that i wasn't really getting anything out of it <clears throat> and he didn't go there to to poo poo the guy um like right. i said he was a fan so he just was kind of like he you know he ditched the capris and <laughs> and and start doing a better presentation was his take gotcha the capris tony robbins wears capri pants he sure does does he really like the ones with the drawstrings at the bottom and the cargo pockets? Yeah. No. <laughs> Does he really? I've not seen that. All right. Well, let's take a break and let Josh ponder that. <laughs> and we'll come back and uh, finish up this stuff right after this. All right, so Tony Robbins isn't the only person out there that's made a ton of money doing this. They want to pick on him. No, we should say a ton of money. His six-day conference, um, I think it's called Date with Destiny this year and last year. Okay. So the, the Irene Wiseman said there were 10,500 people there. The tickets were about $4,000 a piece. That's $42 million they grossed for a six-day conference. He should call that conf- conference credit cards on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I read an article I think in Forbes about the Chinese um motivational speaking industry. And um there's this one person who's like who's going to sign up for the, for my other classes and um th- like some people came to the front and a ring of people with like wireless credit card machines formed around them. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One of us. One <laughs> of us. Man, I love that creepy. movie. Uh, so Tony Robbins isn't the only person out there who's done this over the years. Many, many people. I think, I mean, aren't, didn't it say there was something like close to 500 registered motivational speakers in the U.S. alone? I think like six something. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, but very famously, a man named Jack Canfield uh, wrote a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, and this is an amazing record. He holds the Guinness record uh, for having seven books on the New York Times bestseller list at the same time. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Did you know they wrote one for chicken soup for the prisoner's soul? They wrote one for people in prison. Hmm. I did not know that. And also, did you know Ashton Kutcher is trying to bring chicken soup for the soul to Netflix? The Cooch. As what, a documentary? or? Is... I have no idea. That's that's all I saw. Or is he starring as chicken soup? <laughs> <laughs> He's starring as noodle. <laughs> I poke a lot of fun at the cooch, but he seems like a pretty sincere guy. Uh, sure. <laughs> no, I I don't know. Right. I don't know. I I I've I've learned to just try to shy away from, from the cooch. No, from from like saying stuff know, about people on air. People I don't know. <laughs> I don't know him. He's a celebrity. That's all yeah. I know about him. You know, like, and even if I did know more about him, I, that's not the whole picture. So I, I have no idea what he's like as a person. Okay. Just based on knowing people, he, it's probably likeliest that he is a good person. Okay. Uh, Wayne Dyer, <laughs> another famous uh, author no longer with us, uh, wrote a book called Your Erroneous Zones. And a lot of these people seems like started out as 
book writers. That's the best way. That used to be the best way to get started. Now I think the best way to get started is to just start speaking. Oh, and then write your books based on your successes there. You want to do that almost simultaneously, too, because one of the things you do if you're a motivational speaker is mention, by the way, I've got even more insights that are going to help you out in my books that are available for, for sale right outside. Yeah, that's when it reeks of Scientology to me. It's like uh, you can unlock more discoveries by buying more things. But all, yeah, all of them do that. Like you're a fool if you're a motivational speaker who doesn't have a book for sale at your conference. Yeah. Like you're doing it wrong, right? As far as the industry would be concerned. I think that in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean that you are uh, a huckster. But there are plenty of them in the industry that are hucksters because all they're there doing is selling their book or their class or their something. Their their motivational speech is actually just a sales pitch. Right. That's the hucksters, and there's plenty of them in the industry. Yeah, should we talk about Get Motivated? Yes, we should. This is a seminar series that was uh, started in 2002 by a guy named Peter Lowe. And in the article I read, he is described as the son of a missionary – uh, who, along with his ex-wife, Tamara, who is a self-help book author who writes Christian rap, right. started uh, something that uh, a series called Get Motivated that um, is filling up stadiums that at one point and no longer, but at one point was in business with TD Ameritrade. Yeah, I, I think they started with a legitimate motivational speaker conference. Okay. And then over time said, "Hey, you know what? We could get somebody in here to to underwrite a lot of this and um they can just give they can basically put ads in amongst the motivational speakers." Yeah, so they partnered up with TD Ameritrade with this um product they had had called Invest Tools. Um and they're no longer in business together, but get motivated is still out there. I'm not sure if they're in partnering with anyone or not. No, they have a new owner called Wealthrock that has their own investing classes that uh, they now sell exclusively, or I think are the only things that are sold at the Get Motivated conferences. Okay, so here's the long and short of it. What they do is they charge very little money. It's not like you have to pay thousands of dollars uh, like uh, a Tony Robbins um, live event, but you pay like five bucks or something and say, hey, I can go hear Colin Powell speak, mm -hmm. or Terry Bradshaw, or uh, who else did they have? Uh, Laura Bush, mm -hmm. or Giuliani. And who wouldn't go hear speeches by them for five bucks? Yeah. Besides me. Uh, and then you go, and you. <laughs> uh, or <laughs> I guess you Colin Powell. <laughs> you would? Sure. Um, for five bucks? I'd go see Colin Powell for five bucks if he spoke in my living room. <laughs> there you go. How's that? There you go. Uh, Let's make it happen, America. That's a riff on an old joke my dad used to say, which was when he wanted to denigrate a, a performer. Mm -hmm. He would say, I wouldn't go see them if they were playing in my backyard. I've heard that before, too. <laughs> that's such a 70s dad thing to say. Oh, totally. Um, so anyway, you would go and you would listen to these motivational speeches um, and then what's going on is, is they're financial, they're selling a financial product, basically. 
Right. And again, it's it's like you've got actual like Colin Powell's not like. And by the way, if I mention how great TD Ameritrade's investment tools are, they've helped me out a no, lot. He's just paid a boatload of money to go speak. Exactly. And he's giving like a real motivational speech. Right. And then after Colin Powell, you have some guy come up and say, hey, who wants a Corvette? And they flash a picture of a Corvette and everybody raises their hand. He's like, <laughs> you can have a Corvette, too, with invest tools or whatever. Right. So. Yeah. The criticism of this is that these people are super pumped and ready to just do anything because they're feeling really good thanks to Colin Powell's speech. And then now they're getting this the sales pitch that's being wedged in between these motivational speakers. So, of course, they're signing up for this and, and maybe without really fully understanding what's going on. Yeah. Um, the On the other side, the TD Ameritrade people say, how are you going to do a hard sell with you know, to 20,000 people in a stadium. You can't. Like, like that's just, that's that's ridiculous to say that these people had a hard sales pitch leveled against them. The the point is, is that people who went, went thinking they were going to a motivational speaking event, a conference. Yeah. And it turns out the whole thing was just a TD Ameritrade ad to get them to give them their money for these investment tools that may or may not help them actually make money from that point on. Well, yeah, in, uh, in 2009, Investools um, agreed to pay $3 million uh, to settle um, allegations from the SEC that it let instructors mislead students into thinking they could make extraordinary profits uh, and to claim uh, they were expert <laughs> option traders when their income was really coming from selling the courses. Yeah, apparently one of the instructors said, like, the returns were guaranteed. You can't. You cannot do that. And apparently, you're also not supposed to say what percentage return you can offer. And they, they apparently said 17 percent, which is just ridiculous. And these are options that we're talking about. These are not like stock trades where you know you can do a little research and figure out stock trades, and it, you're not necessarily swimming with sharks. These were options. Options are extremely complex and difficult, and they cost more to trade than a stock trade does. And you're much more apt to lose money because you don't understand what you're doing. And there's a lot more factors involved in whether you make money off of investing in options or not. So this is like they're going to people who are paying to see you know, Colin Powell and Laura Bush speak because they admire them. And then they're they're getting sold these supposedly classes on investing in very sophisticated financial tools. Yeah. It's, it's just you shouldn't do that. You know who their lineup is now? Who? I went to Get Motivated's website and like, th- did you say that they had they had their own product now? Yeah. Uh, okay. Wealth Rock is, Wealth is Rock. the owner, I believe. <laughs> it's spelled... R-A-W-K. <laughs> uh, their current lineup right now for this next tour is uh, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. Okay. Uh, one of the Duck Dynasty dudes. All right. I don't even know his name. Larry King. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, a woman named uh, Manjeet Minhas, who I believe I looked into her briefly. She's started breweries and wineries in Canada. Okay. Made a lot of money. Great. And then finally, rounding it out, Edward Snowden. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, man. That's a, quite a, I'm sure Edward Snowden, I want to be in the green room with Edward yeah. Snowden and the Duck Dynasty guy. Wait, you're, you're joking about Edward Snowden. Oh, no, dude. That's for real. No. Yes. No, it's not. Yes, it is. What? And under his thing, it says, uh, 
What did it say? I mean, it has, you know, it says entrepreneur below one and said Duck Dynasty star. And below him, it says whistleblower. No. <laughs> Edward Snowden is doing this conference. Yes. Well, I'm going. <laughs> I got to hear this. Yeah. Wow. Strange times. It is strange times. I got to say, I like what Wealth Rock is doing these days. <laughs> Uh, in 2005, there was an investigative journalist named Steve Salerno who um, wrote a book called Sham, uh, which stands for Self-Help and Actualization Movement, called Sham, colon, How the Self-Help Movement Made America Helpless. And he kind of peeled back. He, he didn't hold any punches. Right. And kind of peeled back the, the thin layer uh, on this industry and um, basically said there's no science behind this. Uh, these techniques. There's no evidence that this stuff is effective at all. Um, uh, it could be just coincidence or people may not be, uh, maybe are not helped by this industry at all. Right. And he was saying like just the law of averages says that if enough people try it, some of them are going to be helped and they may even be helped just by other things or by things other than whatever the motivational speaker was telling him to do, but it'll be attributed to the motivational speaker. And if you get some people who are willing to give testimonials, then that just helps feed the beast, basically. Right. And if you're not helped, then the the common line is, well, you just you're not buying in like you need to. Yeah, this is where it gets insidious to me. Yeah, it, it's where the the it's a built in self-defense, I guess, deflection mechanism for for motivation, the motivational speaking industry, which is, yeah, you're not enough of a believer. You don't have enough passion. You're um, not trying hard enough. Like you're the problem. You're failing. You're the loser. You're committed to losing. That's another one too. And that's despicable to me. If you're, if you are deflecting blame from yourself and your own shoddy product that's not actually helping people onto somebody who is really looking for help yeah because they don't think that they have the the real strength in of in themselves to to overcome the adversity they face i'm holding it back man yep <laughs> well you said that great article three reasons why mo uh, most motivational speakers are dead wrong and that was one of the things that um that this author oh did you have his name <laughs> Uh, he is uh, Hoffman. His name is Bobby Hoffman. Bobby PhD. Hoffman. Yeah, that was one of the things he brought up that <clears throat> is that it's undebunkable, basically, because they can always just put it back on the person. Right. You just uh, shouldn't do that. Yeah, it's not good at all. No. So, I mean, I guess in a nutshell, the and apparently in a nutshell was a Dale Carnegie thing, uh, but in a nutshell, really? yeah, the motivational speaking industry it can be good and can be bad depending. Yeah, and I know we spent a lot of time in retrospect now, kind of <laughs> slamming it all. But um, like I said, good for you if you do have a legitimate, sincere hardship, uh, overcoming a hardship life story to tell, mm -hmm. and that helps people out, and you can make a buck doing it, then I think that's awesome. Yeah, and again, if you're somebody who's looking to be motivated by a motivational speaker, if what somebody's saying makes a lot of sense to you, it feels right, you feel good listening to them, reading their books, hearing what they have to say. Um, more power to you. I, I I don't knock that at all. No, just tread lightly and go go into it with a with a intelligent eye. There you go. I don't want to see anyone get duped. You know. No. Nope. Okay. 
That was our, our public service for the week. Goodness. Uh, if you want to uh, learn more about motivational speaking, type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this ghost fishing follow-up um, from Anthony in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, hey, guys, just finished ghost fishing and glad you covered this really important topic. I'm an environmental scientist who studies fish and water in North Carolina and have worked in this field all over the country. Uh, while the commercial fishing industry is extremely detrimental to marine life, recreational fishing causes a lot of fish to die in freshwater because of littering from it. And this is something I really thought about as a um, seldom fisherman. Too. Mm-hmm. Uh, many fishermen and women throw little excess bits of line while tying knots on the ground or in the water while they're fishing. Uh, this monofilament goes into the waterways, and if you look into the gut, of many fish, turtles, birds, and other life associated with water, you almost always find this fishing line uh, and hooks stuck in uh, the various biota, or the biota being stuck in the gear. Uh, I would highly recommend fishermen and women, uh, let's just say fisher people. Yep. Uh, F- to, fisher kings. <laughs> fisher kings, to make sure they put this extra line in their pocket to dispose of later, or use an environmentally friendly nylon line that, uh, if they can find it. Uh, this monofilament line just does not break down over time. Uh, like the nylon does. Uh, just wanted to share this with you all. Many people are unaware of the harm they can do without meaning to in these little bits of line, and I hope it can help people be more aware while they are fishing. Good advice. Yeah, thanks, Anthony from Charlotte. I'd never really thought about that. My own self, and that's wrong. Yeah. Good going, Anthony. Much appreciated. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us like Anthony did and give us a heads up on something, we love those. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast or Josh M. Clark. You can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know or slash Charles W. Chuck Bryant. You can send us an email at StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs>